Have you ever tried to lose weight for a specific event or maybe for a specific someone? I know I've definitely fallen into this trap before. What's crazy is we can willpower our way some of the way there, maybe even most of the way there. But my question is, how did you feel about yourself once you got there? Like maybe you felt good for a little while, but how long did that feeling last? Today, we're talking about the fallacy of setting a goal weight and the I'll be happy when I lose weight trap. And we're going to address two specific reasons why that mindset actually backfires and what to do instead to set yourself up for success so that you can love yourself while you lose weight and make sure that the changes you make are sustainable over time. Ready to get to it? Let's go. Do you ever feel like you know all the diet rules about eat this, but not that, and so you know what to do, but you just have a hard time actually doing it? I'm here to tell you, you are not the problem. Hi, I'm Lizzie. Welcome to the Confident Body Podcast, where we talk about all the mental and emotional parts of weight loss that diets don't tell you. It's time to step past the shame and the guilt from old diets and stop feeling like you're waiting to lose weight in order to fully participate in life. If you're ready to drop the diet mindset and learn what it takes to truly feel happy and confident in your own skin, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited about this episode because I've recently learned some neuroscience that explains something that I knew already, but like to have the science behind it just makes me geek out about it. And so I'm really, really excited to share it with you. And so what this Uh, pertains to is kind of the I'll be happy when I lose weight. So I remember when um, my husband and I signed up for P90X. And you know, he came home from deployment. And he's like, let's try this exercise program. And first, I was like, of course, you're crazy. And then he talked me into it. And so we got into the the 90 day program. And um, I, I definitely had a thought to myself of like, once once I finish this program, I will have arrived. Now, to be honest, I didn't actually say that to myself. Um, but I felt like finishing the program was supposed to deliver some sort of, you know, ribbon or accomplishment or something, or basically I didn't realize that I was sort of telling myself behind the scenes that once I finish the program, then I can stop pushing quite so hard. And that is not what happened. So we got to the end of the program and while I, you know, we took the before and after pictures and while I did see some change, I definitely did not look like the after pictures in the you know, marketing materials. And so we kept going. I, you know, I, I did not feel like I had arrived. I did not feel like I was there. I certainly didn't feel that kind of sen- sense of, you know, finally, I, I have the body I want. So we did another round of P90X. And, and I thought, you know, okay, after this next 90 days, then I'll be there. Then I can kind of dial it back a little bit. Then I can relax. But changes happen so slowly that it was hard to determine exactly where there really was. And I was always grinding my way to the finish line. Actually, not too much later, I remember my husband went on deployment and I thought to myself, I know, I'll get into really good shape while he's gone and he'll be so impressed with how good I look when he gets back. Tell me, tell me you've done this or not. Like, how many of us have had that feeling of like, he'll be so impressed with me when he sees me. And yeah. So this time, i had actually set a number to my goal. I wanted to weigh 135 pounds. And I knew, well, I thought at least that once I got there, then I'd be happy. 
then I would arrive. And of course, my husband would be so impressed with me and all, all the things that come with that. <sighs> and so I grinded even more. I willpowered my way through daily snack time with my kids, late nights when I was missing him. I even grinded my way through a visit to my parents' house and I avoided all like the normal temptations, all of mom's cooking. I didn't even have the cookies. Yeah, I love cookies. And I said no to the cookies. Mm. I got down to 137 pounds. And by any measure, two pounds is pretty close to your target, right? So I should have been really happy. Yeah, no. I was miserable. Eventually, I was like, this is not worth it. I hate this. All of this effort is not really worth it. I don't even feel that great at the weight that I thought would be the promised land, or at least, you know, two pounds away. That's pretty close. And so I decided, the heck with it. I had all the bread, all the cookies I wanted. My willpower gave out. I was like, nope. And so once my willpower gave out, I was eating and drinking my way through my emotions until my husband came home from deployment. <laughs> Needless to say, I did not look, or more importantly, I did not feel amazing when he got home. So what's the main thing that we're talking about here? The, the main thing is the fallacy of I'll be happy when I lose weight. We tell ourselves that, but it backfires. And there's two specific ways that that mindset actually hurts us. So the first one is, is it teaches us to put our happiness out there, somewhere on the other side of that finish line. And what's great, and sometimes frustrating about our brains is that they're really good at remembering what we practice. And so if you practice not being happy now, but saying, I'll be happy when, then that is what your brain will remember. And that is what your brain will know how to do. So even if you do get to a place on the scale, like 137 is pretty close to 135, where you say like, I'm supposed to be happy now. And you're not, because you're still grinding, you're still miserable. And you're like, why? And I don't necessarily feel like what I see in the mirror is what I'm supposed to be looking at. Because there's always more there's it's like chasing the horizon. And so because our brains are very good at getting good at what we practice, you have to practice what you want. And what you want is to feel good. You want to be able to feel confident in your skin. Now, today, you want to be able to appreciate yourself today. And I promise no matter what the scale says, you will always be able to find things that are not right with you. I certainly was able to like the scale was pretty close to my number, but I could still see all the things that I didn't like about my body because that is what I practiced looking for. I practiced looking for, well, that's not right yet. That's not the way I want it to look yet. And so that's what my brain knew how to find. And so we've got to turn the tables. We've got to figure out a way to practice feeling good about yourself now. So that's number one. That's the first way that, you know, I'll be happy when backfires is because our brains practice not being happy now. The second way that the idea of I'll be happy when I lose weight backfires is because of the neurotransmitters that are happening in the brain. So this is the neuroscience that I learned. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, it explains it. I get it now. So Epinephrine is the neurotransmitter of effort. So when you are, you know, working on a project at work, 
when you are making a plan for your vacation, when you are going on a diet, the brain is pumping out epinephrine. That is a neurotransmitter that helps you do something challenging. And there is a literal you know, scientific term for what happens when there gets to be too much epinephrine in the brain. And neuro neuroscientists call it the quitting effect, that that the brain will continue to work and continue to work and more epinephrine continues to build. And after a while, the brain basically says, this isn't worth it. This is, it's, I'm not going to get there. So I quit. I'm out. And what's fascinating is on the other side. So dopamine is the neurotransmitter of reward. It is the like, Ooh, this feels good. More of that, please. And we get that when we allow ourselves to feel good for accomplishing a task. We also get that when we eat a piece of chocolate. Um, and what's interesting is that neuroscient neuroscientists have learned that the brain can tolerate higher levels of epinephrine when dopamine is also present. So if we take this to weight loss, when we say, I'll be happy when I lose weight, we don't allow ourselves to feel good between here and there. And like almost imagine like a long race with a finish line. So I'm starting here. The finish line is when I get to feel good, but I don't get to feel good between here and there. So your epinephrine is going up and up and up and up, but you're not allowing yourself to feel good. You're, you're not bringing in any dopamine. And so midway through the race, you're like, I'm out. This, this is not fun. I quit because of the quitting effect. And so this is the scientific reason why it's not just nice. It's not just fluffy to give yourself credit along the way. It is imperative. If you want to achieve your goal, you must allow yourself, you must look for ways to feel good about your progress along the way so that you will keep going so that your brain will not fall victim to the quitting effect. So I like to think of this as like, uh, imagine you're rolling a boulder up a hill and like, you know, the, the, the top of the hill is the finish line is like the goal weight that you want to be at. And you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're getting tired and you're getting really tired. And you get to a point where you're, you're, the boulder is no longer moving up. Like you're pushing against it with all your, your might, but you, you're not even moving up anymore. You're like, oh no, I, I might need to just quit. And dopamine, basically allowing yourself a little reward, a little chance to feel like, yeah, this is working, is like someone coming along and helping you push the boulder up the hill. Or like in a video game, it's like, you know, you get a, I, I don't play video games, but like you get the, the little jewel that gives you more energy and you're like, okay, I can keep going. And so this is why it is so important to not fall victim to the I'll be happy when I lose weight. And you've got to proactively look for ways to feel happy while you lose weight. So that sounds great. How do we do that? So first of all, you've got to use other measurements other than the scale. So number one is change the metric, change what you're measuring. So the scale is, is a result. It's, it measures a result, not actions. And when you measure your progress by the scale, you're only looking at the end result. And that's not always completely within your control. I mean, let's say you have an injury and your body has some inflammation, the scale will go up. Or let's say your hormones are in their natural cycle, and that's causing some water retention, 
the scale will go up. There are so many reasons why the scale may not behave the way you expect. Some of those reasons are within your control, but not all of them. And so using the scale as your only and ultimate measure of success means you're gambling your feeling of success and the positive rewards, that dopamine, that you get from seeing progress on something that is not 100% within your control. So instead of measuring your success on a result, measure your success on the actions you're taking. So identify what are the actions that create the results you're looking for. Then measure your progress based on the positive actions you're taking that are within your control. It is those actions that will ultimately create the results that you want. And when you only focus on results, it can get discouraging. Sometimes you even stop doing the positive actions because you feel demoralized. And of course, that guarantees a negative result. So change the metric, change what you're measuring and using as your metric of success. If you can shift your focus to feeling proud of yourself for the very real and very tangible positive actions you're taking, then you can cultivate that positive emotion, that dopamine, that feeling of reward that can help you maintain your progress and eventually get to the top of the mountain. So here are some examples of ways that you can measure your success on actions that are within your control. So let's say you're trying to exercise. So measure how many minutes did you walk this week? Measure how many consecutive days did you stretch? Um, You know, it doesn't matter. You you don't get a grade like an A or an F for the amount of exercise. It's did I do it? Yes or no. So give yourself like the lowest bar of success and allow that to be the win. Let's say you're trying to improve your nutrition. You could measure your success on how many days did I have a vegetable as a snack this week? Or maybe you're trying to stop eating uh, after a certain time of day. So you could measure your success on the number of days this week you stopped eating after 8 p.m. Let's say you're focusing on portion control. So you could measure your success on the number of times this week you had a meal on a smaller plate. You know, that works too. Maybe you're trying to be more mindful. And so you could measure your success on the number of times you put your fork down during the meal or the number of times that you had a meal without a device in your hand or in front of you. There are so many ways that you can measure your success. And the scale is just one of them. And the scale is the one that is not always completely within your control. So measure your success on the things that are within your control. And I ask you, do you, do you sometimes maybe have a hard time giving yourself credit for how much progress you've made? Is your eye on the prize instead of the little things that you're doing consistently every day? I mean, I get it. It's, it's easy to not even count that, to not even see that as progress because you're focused on where you're not. But I'm telling you, progress comes from owning the actions you have been taking because it is in those actions that you are becoming the kind of person who can build the future you're driving towards. There are so many things you can measure and track your success that are within your control. So bank your progress on the tangible ways that you are proactively changing your life and the results will take care of themselves. And it's not just a nice thing to give yourself credit for the little things you're doing. It is the thing that helps you keep going. That feeling of progress is what allows your brain to tolerate that higher level of epinephrine and keep going 
when you are feeling tired and you're like, why is it worth it? Because of the progress I'm making. Step two, a hack that I have learned that is actually sneaky important is keeping track of the progress you're making. Keep track of the number of times you meditated this week, if that's what you're working on. Keep track of the number of times you, uh, you know, made a meal plan. Whatever it is that you're working on, again, those tangible actions that you're measuring, make a note of it. Keep track because our brains are so quick to forget and dismiss the little actions. And so I'm telling you, kindergarten teachers know a thing or two. Those sticker charts, they work for us grownups too, because we're all five-year-olds just in bigger bodies. I, you would laugh to see like how many, you know, like tracking charts I have over my house of the things that I'm uh, tracking, because I know that it is really easy for my brain to be like, well, that doesn't count or like I've hardly done anything this week. That happens to me all the time. I want to dismiss my progress. But when I have a whole row of check marks, I can be like, well, I did something. And it is in the little somethings that add up to something big. Everything big once started small. The promise of the mighty oak lies in the acorn. Consistency is so, so much more important than being perfect. So give yourself the gift of keeping track of your progress so that you can remind yourself, yeah, I am taking strides because your brain's going to want to forget and your brain's going to want to dismiss it. So have a way to keep track of the things that you're doing. And step three, slip ups are going to happen expect it. Allow yourself, again, consistency is so much more important than perfection because perfection is not a thing and everyone messes up. It happens to me all the time. And so what I want you to look at is when those slip-ups happen, use those as learning moments. Create the conditions where a setback serves as the fuel to set you up for a breakthrough. Make every slip-up worth it by mining the gold that is available for you in the moment. What can you learn from the times when you overate or when you, you know, were eating mindlessly? What emotions or conditions led up to that slip up? What can you learn from it to help you be more prepared in the future? And also have an optimistic attitude. Again, remember, our brains are, are negatively biased. It is the natural default that we're going to look for how things are not working. So you've got to proactively practice to remind yourself how things are working. Keep a note in your pocket. I keep a note in my pocket every day of what I'm proactively trying to remind myself of what I want to think, because I know left to its own devices, my brains are going to, my brains, I just have one brain, I think. My brain is going to default to the things and the ways that things are not working. So I keep a note in my pocket to proactively remind myself of what I want to be thinking today. So I want you to put a note in your pocket that says, I am making progress all the time. Or maybe, yes, I am capable of change because you have evidence in your life, in your past, when you've changed in the past, so you can do it now. Remind yourself, I am making progress all the time. And then look for evidence of where that is true. Remember your reticular activating system, that filter in your brain? Set it to work. Get it looking for examples of how you are making progress. You know, we teach children, when when we teach kids something new, we know that it's normal, that it's going to take repetition and reward. We expect that it's going to take more than a few attempts to get a child to learn something new. I mean, heck, 
I'm still talking to my 16-year-old about putting his shoes away. So it takes some time (laughs) for all of us. And so we give kids the grace to take time to learn something new, but we don't give ourselves that same grace. So this week, I want you to give yourself the grace to be imperfect, to be the human that you are and allow that it is okay that you need repetition and rewards along the way. So let's get to our tiny confident body action set for this week. What are you working on? More exercise, less sweets, more salads, whatever it is, what is that thing that is within your control that you can measure this week? And when I say measure, I'm serious, write it down, keep a note in your phone, make a piece of paper with a tracker. How many times did you do the tiny thing? How many times did you step on the treadmill? And again, I'm not asking for time or distance. This is not about getting an A plus. It is just, did you do it? Yes or no? How many times did you meditate or have one less serving? Keep track. Grade yourself on a curve. Give yourself as much credit as possible because it is that credit, that feeling of progress that is going to help you keep going. Remember, feeling successful is the fuel that feeds the engine of motivation. So instead of telling yourself that your effort wasn't good enough because that leads to quitting, find ways to tell yourself that at least you did something and that's better than last week or last year and you're on your way. Look for evidence to prove it true. And there is an entire section in my book called You Are a Miracle that talks about motivation and how to proactively fuel up your tank to help you keep your motivation going. If you've ever found yourself putting your happiness on the other side of a finish line or measured your happiness based on the scale, then check out my book. Just search for You Are a Miracle on Amazon. And if there's anything in this episode that has helped you, I would love it if you would write a review. I would love to know what is what is inspiring you, what is helping you, what kind of resonates with you, and that might actually help somebody else find the show. So thank you so much. And remember, love yourself, because you are a miracle right now, exactly as you are. There is no number on the scale that will make you more worthy or more lovable. Figure out how to love yourself as you are, and losing weight becomes a whole lot easier. All right, that's what I've got for you this week. I will see you next time. Thanks so much for listening today. If you're feeling like maybe you're ready to take what you're learning here on the podcast to the next level, then let's work together. Everyone has a unique story and unique challenges, and there is no one size fits all program that works for everyone. We can co-create the goals and accountability that work specifically for you so that you can feel free of all the mind chatter around your body and start feeling confident in your skin. And most importantly, stop waiting to participate in life until after you lose weight. Listen, you were created for a reason. God does not make mistakes. You have something special and unique that only you can bring to the world. If you'd like to explore what that might look like for you, please go to my website and schedule a free call at confidentbody.coach. Or if you're an introvert like me and you just like us to get to know each other a little bit, then send me an email at lizzie at confidentbody.coach. Remember, the world needs what only you can bring. So don't wait. We're counting on you. You are a miracle. So shine your light today.